and our second reading is from Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 to 14. For this reason, since the day we've heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is the word of the Lord. It's a real pleasure to be with you here this afternoon, and I look forward to getting to know some of you um, later on, so do come and say hello after the service. Let me say a prayer as we begin. Loving Father, we thank you for your word, and pray that you would give us ears to hear and hearts to receive your message for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. A number of years ago, I had the great privilege of hearing a talk by a, an elderly North Korean lady called Hei Wu, who is a truly astonishing woman of faith. She was one of thousands of Christians in North Korea who were arrested for their faith and sent to the country's notorious labor camps. She was crammed into a cell with 200 other prisoners, She said that there was not even enough room to stand properly. But despite these horrific conditions, she had a deep desire to live for God in the camp. Soon after entering, she prayed, I want to be salt and light in this place for these poor souls. Though having little herself, she would share her food with those who were in poorer health than she Though tortured for doing so on a number of occasions, she continued to share her faith with her fellow inmates. And though there were so many risks, she would even conduct small secret services in the toilets. Stories such as these I find encouraging and inspiring, yet, on the other hand, they can often feel far removed from my own situation. I don't simply mean that I'm not incarcerated in a North Korean labor camp. More than that, I just don't have that strength of faith to be able to delight in God, whatever the circumstances. I imagine that I'm not alone in that feeling. Perhaps especially at the start of a new year, a time when many of us are given to reflecting on our lives, making New Year's resolutions, failing to keep New Year's resolutions. Many of us perhaps might be conscious that we could be doing better in our Christian walk might be that we've become conscious of persistent sin we cannot shake, of a lack of joy and delight in the Lord, or simply a feeling of weakness, of being far from God. 
I know from my own experience that we can easily become resigned to feeling that this is just how it is. I'm just not like someone like Hei Wu. And if this characterizes you in any way, then I hope that today's passage will be of great encouragement to you. We're continuing with our series through Paul's letter to the church in Colossae. Last time we saw his thanksgiving for their church, for how they first received the gospel and responded with radical lives of faith and love. But now, as we learn later in the letter, they're being pressured to look elsewhere to find fullness of life, to turn away from the gospel and from Jesus, to give up on that radical life of faith and love. And so in our verses today, Paul moves from thanksgiving to prayer. He shares what he has been praying for them. And he shares what he has been praying for them to encourage them to keep going, even to go deeper in their walk with the Lord. His prayer expresses, in the words of one commentator, his vision and deep passion for this church. And I take it for us as well. So in the next few minutes, I want us to look at this prayer, at this vision, and we'll consider three particular things he prays for them. He prays um, for them to grow in knowledge of God, to be strengthened by his power, and to rejoice in the great love that he has for us. So Paul prays first, then, that God would fill you with the knowledge of his will, through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. His passion for them, his vision, is that they would be filled with the knowledge of God and of his will. This can sound very cerebral, very intellectual, but I take it that Paul wants something more for his congregation than that they take a further education course in theology. He does not want them to know more things. He wants them to know a person. Now, I'm a bit of a royalist, um, and I know lots of facts about the Queen, but I can't say that I know her personally. I don't have any kind of personal relationship with her. My wife, Stephanie, on the other hand, I do know personally, though the more time I spend with her, the more I get to know her. I know what will cheer her up when she is down. I know how she'll respond in certain situations. I know what gifts she likes. In short, the more I get to know her, the more I know what I can do to please her, the more I want to do things that would please her. And this is what Paul is saying here about our relationship with God. He prays for the Colossians that they would grow to know God more deeply, more intimately, so that, he says, you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. I wonder, is this our prayer for ourselves? Do we have such a desire to grow more intimate in our relationship with God, such that in everything we do, our heart's desire is to please him. I think of the young child who so loves their parents that when they come home from school, they just want to share everything they've done that day with them, showing them the craft they've made, telling them what they've learned, 
and so on. Or there's the man or woman who's fallen head over heels in love and is constantly thinking about gifts they can buy, letters they can write, acts of service they can perform, all to express their love for their beloved. Is this how we think about our relationship with God? One of growing more intimate in our knowledge with him that we can delight in him and long to please him more. For some, I imagine we will never have thought about our relationship with God in this way. It's even easy even for Christians, and I very much include myself in this, to think that being a Christian means doing a whole load of things, saying our prayers each day, coming to church on Sunday, doing good works in our communities. And whilst they're all good things to be doing, they're not the heart of what Christianity is about. The heart of Christianity is about having a heart, a deep love for God that flows out into how we live all of life. For most of us, I imagine we might long to have such a heart for God, but it seems all very remote from where we currently are. What I think the passage is teaching us is that such a heart for God, such that longs to please him in all we do, comes from growing to know him more intimately, more personally. For myself, those times when I've had the deepest love for God have been when I have spent a good chunk of time meditating on God, on his word, pouring out my heart to him in prayer, in short, spending time with him. As we spend quality time with God, we will get to know him better, grow in our longing and ability to live life worthy of him and please him in every way. Paul continues um, in his prayer with these words. He prays next that they would be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. The Colossians were under a lot of pressure from false teachers to turn away from their faith, from Jesus Christ. They may well have been feeling weak and tempted to give up. And I suspect that many of us can feel the same. You might be feeling that everything I've just said about knowing God intimately, having a heart for him, and living to please him in every way sounds fantastic, but impossible for me. I feel too weak. Maybe it's ill health or the loss of loved ones. Maybe it's a persistent sin that we feel we can never overcome. Maybe it's persistent pressure from the world around to give up with all that Christian nonsense. Whatever it is, we feel lacking in energy, lacking in motivation, maybe even lacking in hope. But Paul reminds us in this prayer that we do have great strength available to us, a strength that will help us patiently to endure, to keep going. When I've been feeling weak, I've often found great encouragement in a verse from another letter of Paul to the Ephesians, where he prays for them that they would know the power of God at work in their lives. And he says that this power is, and I quote, the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. It's incredible to think that that power which brought 
a dead man back to life. That power which overcame death itself, that same power can be at work in us. And so whatever it is that causes you to doubt if you can keep going, pray. Pray for his strength, and his strength will be more than enough to help you to keep going. But not simply to keep going, to slog through life, but we move on to the third point now, to do so with joyful hearts. This is how Paul's prayer concludes. He prays, that they would give joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. For many in our culture today, church is not something that people would associate with the word joy. For many, the first words I imagine that would come to mind are dull, dry, dusty, anything but joyful. And I imagine we too can often imbibe those same attitudes and expectations. How often are we excited to come to church, excited to sing God's praise and hear afresh of how great his love for us is? At least for myself, going to church can often feel more like a duty than a joy. But Paul prays for the Colossians. He prays for us that we would be full of joyful thanks. Why? Because of the truly wonderful things that our Father has done for us. Paul reminds us that our Father has rescued us, has redeemed us from our old life, enslaved to sin, enslaved to paralyzing fears, enslaved to life-sapping habits and addictions. He has set us free from that old way of life, from that dominion of darkness. And though we may still experience in this fallen world, even as Christians, sins, fears, and addictions, we have before us a glorious and wonderful hope that we might share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light, freed once for all from all grief, evil, hardship, and pain. I know it often doesn't, but this amazing truth should fill us with such joy and thankfulness to our Lord and God. And so we end back where we started. If we want to have that joy in our lives, we need to be spending time with God, getting to know him better, reminding ourselves of just how amazing he is. It's a comparatively trivial illustration, but Stephanie and I have kept a habit from our dating days of writing letters to each other once a month. And I always find it a great opportunity to remind myself of just how wonderful she is. It renews my love for her. And the same is true of our relationship with God. We need to be regularly reminding ourselves of how wonderful, how amazing he is regularly spending time getting to know him better, regularly praying for the strength of his spirit to be at work in our lives. And as we do, we should find our hearts warmed with love for him. We should find within ourselves a renewed desire to please him in all we do. 
and we should find a deeper joy for all that he has done for us. Let me pray for us that that would be so. Loving Father, we thank you that you are worthy of all our praise. And we're sorry that so often our hearts are far from you. Draw us closer to yourself, we pray. Strengthen us to endure patiently whatever trials we face. And fill us with a deep joy in you. In the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.